From the power of voices in Los Angeles, happy holidays. I'm Laura Rice, and this is Full Body Frequency. Full Body Frequency celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous while exploring the truths and exploding the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size and curvy women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither does this show. As we go full throttle into the balance of the holiday season, I am beyond thrilled to share the mic with this week's guest. He is the one and only Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. And to kick off this holiday season with a bang, we're talking and tasting champagne and sparkling wines. In addition to being an internationally renowned sommelier and tastemaker, He's a motivational speaker, business culture consultant, and coach. Duncan is also a former co-owner and the wine director of Ben 36. Now, for those of you who don't know Ben 36, it is the restaurant that literally transformed the way Americans experience fine dining and wine. In fact, Wine and Spirits magazine named Ben 36 the best wine pairing system in the U.S. and is credited Brian with producing the restaurant's friendly approach to wine and food pairing. He'll share the secret for entertaining family and friends with unbridled generosity and abundance. After this quick break, Full Body Frequency returns with Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. Stay tuned. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me Been an awful good girl, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you dear, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Think of all the fun I've missed Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good If you check off my Christmas list Santa baby, I want a yacht And really that's not a lot Been an angel all year Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa honey, one little thing I really need the deed to a platinum mine, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie And fill my stocking With a duplex And checks 
sign your ex on the line, Santa cutie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Come and trim my Christmas tree with some decorations bought at Tiffany. I really do believe in you. Let's see if you believe in me. Santa baby forgot to mention one little thing, a ring. I don't mean on the phone, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Happy holidays and welcome back to Full Body Frequency. Thank you for inviting me. So good to see you again. Brian, the last time you were here, you shared the best of spring wines with us. Since then, where have you been? What have you seen? What experiences have you created? And what wines have you sipped? A few seasons in between that. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to fall? It's gone and the Indian summer is gone and for sure we're in winter. We are. As of the runaway holiday train is on track and will come to rest, I guess, January 2nd, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Mm. So. Oh, Valentine's Day. Well, we're, That's a great wine holiday. Yeah, but we're talking this month and a half about, have you ever been to Italy for Christmas? I have not. Well, nobody does Christmas like the Italians. It lasts about two and a half weeks. Mm. So I usually think about from Thanksgiving to January, about a month and a half is the real whole holiday in its core. So there's lots to do from from now until then. Yeah, Advent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been busy. I've been curating a wine program for a retail client of mine. I'm consulting now. After 15 years of my restaurant, I like telling people how to run them rather than running one myself. Mm. And I have some retail clients and I have a new restaurant client and help them get open. What they primarily asked me to do was to establish the culture in their business. So I'm kind of a, people think of me as sort of a wine guru evangelist, but it's all wrapped in the package neatly of uh, hospitality. It's, it has to be at the core. It has to be at every end. It Everything has to be neatly bundled up with the philosophy of hospitality. So I'm teaching that. And from what I understand, a lot of corporations now, because so many young people, millennials and others, have grown up in a digital culture and have lost the art of communication, effective communication, customer service, and really letting people know that their patronage is well-received and respected. So there's plenty of work for me out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And my principles apply not only in the hospitality industry, but in the corporate business world. So I'm busy. I'm having a good time. That's good. So hospitality, hospitality, hospitality. What's your wine philosophy? Do you carry that over into the hospitality as well? It's it, Yeah, it, it's all connected. As a matter of fact, I look at hospitality as the filter for all the decisions that, that I make. And that most businesses should really use that as their own sort of divining rod. One of the things is, for me, I like to find out what people's experience is with wine. If it's zero to being an avid collector of very, very valuable wines and everything in between, I want to start with your experience, what you know, and then I can 
sort of built from there. If I don't, all I'm doing is forcing my opinions and my taste on you. Mm. See, it's very important for me to sort of be like the psychiatrist in, on the couch. You know, <laughs> I, I want to draw you out and mm. I want to find out, well, you don't drink wine. Well, what do you drink beer? Or, you know, I try to find that out. What kind of wines do you like? What do you tend to like? And people have very strong opinions and usually they're wrong. They lack experience and they, they lack something even greater. And that's the vocabulary to describe what they want. But do you know why babies cry? To communicate? Because they can't tell you what they want. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of people walking around with immature vocabularies about wine. And some people have been intimidated out of asking questions. And so I'm trying to bring some of those back through compassion and empathy and help them sort of walk them into new page turning experiences with wine. And the biggest thing that most people, the mistake that they make is that they don't know how to taste. Mm. You know, their their palate, their tongue has a lot of areas that are specific to certain kinds of revelation in terms of information. Okay. Like in the tip of your tongue, that's the only place that you perceive if something is fruity or sweet. It doesn't matter if it's wine or not. Mm. It can be food. It can be any kind of liquid. But in the tip of your tongue, that's the only place you perceive fruitiness or sweetness of anything. Food, wine, liquid, whatever, solid. And then just past the tip of your tongue is where you perceive on either side salt, if it's present, Mm. what you're eating or drinking. Then in the middle is where you perceive the weight of something. Have you ever heard anybody say uh, it's a light-bodied red or a full-bodied white wine? And you sort of really don't know what a lot of people don't know what that what they're talking about. They're Mm -hmm. talking about if you think of light-bodied as though it were, let's say, non-fat milk. Mm -hmm. Then think of medium body as though it were whole milk. Okay. And think of full body as though it were heavy cream. Mm, Does that okay. make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes okay. absolute sense. So that's in the middle of your tongue. That's where you perceive that. And then on the far sides is where if there's acidity present in what you're eating or drinking, that's where you get that uncontrollable tart sensation. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to salivate uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. And most people have never thought about that. They just are sort of unconsciously eating and drinking. I think that most people with wine... They do it like they're doing a shot. And so the wine pole vaults from the tip of their tongue to the back of their throat. Mm-hmm. And nothing, all that, all those receptors have no opportunity to get engaged to reveal information to you. To me, whenever I start a class or I'm doing a tasting with people, that's sort of, I walk them through that. And people who told me, oh, I only like sweet wines or I only like dry wines or I only like, they all are surprised what they actually really do like mm-hmm. once you. You slow the process down. Then I tell them, take a sip and then don't swallow until I tell you to. So first, then I make them hold it in their mouth longer mm-hmm. than they've probably ever held wine ever. I remember that. And that was wonderful. It, it changed everything. Yeah. The dynamic of everything. The holidays are here and you encourage people to entertain with unbridled generosity and abundance. How does one incorporate unbridled generosity and abundance into their entertainment and food budget? You can't be stingy to start. <laughs> That's a good start. You, you can't. Well, there's a great quote that says it's impossible to be selfish and happy, mm. and that's so true. You can't walk around with sort of what do they want from me now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in a household where there, when people were coming to our home, all the cabinets got open. They you we mm. had to use this plate for this thing and this. And I love the fussing. 
of over ingredients and uh, which linen and all of that kind of stuff. I was spoiled for doing anything else the rest of my life after mm-hmm. watching my parents entertain like that. I just thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. And then we would go to our extended family in Indianapolis where my grandparents were. It was just on steroids. <laughs> so, you know, it just it only just morphed into this bigger thing. And it just had the found effect on me. I realized that I had to have a restaurant one day and that sort of manifested itself. But people have to think about why they're doing something. The motive behind what you do sets the stage for everything that comes after. So right. it's not corny when I talk about hospitality. If you are, I'll give you a great story. My, my servers at my restaurants gave me the best life lessons. I had a young woman say one Thanksgiving, she said, I want you to pick out a bottle for us. She said, uh, for me to take home for Thanksgiving. And I said, what do you have in mind? She says, something that's going to blow my uh, brother-in-law out of the water. Mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, he's such a wine snot. And she said, <laughs> I, she said, I just want something to really shut him up. And I said, what a beautiful holiday sentiment that is. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked this bottle of wine that I thought they'd really love. And when we got back from the vacation, I said, oh, how did dinner go? She goes, we really had fun. And I said, great. I said, how did he like the wine? And she said, oh, it was corked, which meant there was a flaw in the wine. And I said, see, Mm -hmm. I said, it's the spirit in which you do Uh, things. So so Mm -hmm. a lesson learned. You know, at the core, you want to invite people because you want them to enjoy themselves and interact. There's a, a list of things that you can do sort of create a better opportunity for your guests to have a good time. Okay. And that's, you know, asking questions before they come. Do people have any allergies or anything mm-hmm. that you don't eat? And just preparing in advance, those kinds of things. And it helps. It shows that you're interested in their experience rather than, you know, sort of dictating to them. Right. And showing off. <laughs> and showing off. <laughs> You're listening to Full Body Frequency, and if you just tuned in, Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts is here, and we're talking, and we're about to taste holiday wines. When talking about food and wine pairings, the pairing is generally focused on the protein, the chicken, the fish, the steak, and perhaps the vegan or vegetarian equivalent. Or sometimes people do it by country, Mexico, India, China, etc. But during the holidays, the abundance and the flavor complexity of the side dishes, do you select several wines to complement the sides? Or do you select one wine that will move you from appetizers to dessert? This is a really great question. Uh, One of the things that I always ask people when you're planning a meal, everyone does it slightly differently. And so now that I've noticed people doing more ethnic dishes in with the traditional, I don't look at it as so much of a challenge as as I do an opportunity. There are wines that are uh, more versatile than than others. Mm -hmm. I brought champagne and sparkling wine because um, they can last you from beginning to end. And there is a very wonderful reason to serve sparkling wine. There's multiple reasons, but one of the best is, isn't it inherently celebratory? Absolutely. Those bubbles? When you see bubbles in a wine and somebody's handing it, you you automatically feel something special is about to happen Mm -hmm. and they must think I'm special. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden people's spines straighten up and they, they they just feel better about themselves. I just poured, this is real champagne, and I want you to look at the bubbles in this. Look how tiny those are. Wow. Have you ever seen tinier bubbles in a, no. in a champagne or a sparkling wine? No, usually my bubbles are pretty big. <laughs> okay. So, so a lot of people will see, they'll use a sparkling wine, which is anything outside of Champagne, mm-hmm. France. And it, sometimes the bubbles have beading, or we call it beading, 
could be a little larger. And if you think about 7-Up or Sprite or Club Soda, how large the bubbles are and how they sort of attack your tongue. Right. Well, the tinier the beating, almost the more weightless the wine is. That beating is a sign of elegance. And it should be a steady stream coming up the middle of the glass like yours is. So that is proof that the glass is actually clean. <laughs> Great. Uh-huh. You did really well. All right. I'm going to take a picture of this. There you go. And put it up on the page so people can actually see these little. Well, I don't know if they can see the tiny bubbles, but. This is exciting for me. Sparkling wine and champagne are the most versatile wines for food. And most people don't realize this, but you can have shellfish and oysters and caviar. I think one of the best pairings for champagne is fried food. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've, <laughs> I've done something to enhance that tonight. There is, it's like eating food for the first time when you have the right wine with the right dish. There's this relationship, this lock and key interaction. The wine should unlock flavors in the food that you would not have tasted on its own. And the food should open up flavors in the wine that you would not have tasted on its own. Okay. So do we get to taste it ever at any point? Yeah, right now. Right now. Let's do it. So we have to toast each other. Okay. And we look each other in the eye when we do that. Mm -hmm. That's, That's tradition. And then you just sip and just hold on to it maybe a little longer than you would. Mm. And swallow. That feels so good on my tongue. It's like this magic carpet right across your mm-hmm. tongue. That's amazing. And the finish, uh, the length of the finish, this wine goes on and on and on. Have you ever talked to somebody and you thought they were done? Mm-hmm. They, they just keep going. <laughs> Except that they keep, but they're releasing like really insightful mm-hmm. uh, nuggets and pearls of wisdom. Not that you want them to shut up. Right, necessarily. right, right, right. It's but a good continuation. It's a long thing, mm-hmm. yes. I tell people it's it's amazing because it's like it's doing a strip tease in your mouth. <laughs> and you exactly thought, what it feels right, like. Like you think something's being revealed and like there's nothing more. And then all of a sudden there's another layer mm-hmm. that comes. Uh, this like, is amazing. This is this is the real deal. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited about this wine because people have a very, have a wrong misconception about champagne. It will go nameless. There's a popular brand okay. that everybody knows right. that has a certain, is a certain color of mm-hmm. the label. And people think that a sign of real quality. Mm-hmm. What is this a sign of is that they're the best, some of the best marketers in the world. Ah. And so they've established themselves with the American audience as being like one of the finer champagnes, they make millions and millions of cases. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that size matters when you own the land Mm -hmm. that you're growing on Mm -hmm. and that the land in Champagne is Premier Cru and Grand Cru. Grand Cru being the the designated land that's optimum for uh, the best grape growing, the best exposure, and the best soil for grapes. And Premier Cru is the level just below that. And below that, then you get into the the lesser desirable plots Mm -hmm. that are usually low-lying or slight elevation. It makes a difference where location, location, location. But also, the more land you have to use to produce more volume of champagne, you got to be going into some very gray areas. Here's what it actually is. 
the larger companies only own so much land. So, okay. you know, we're talking about France. So mm -hmm. land is expensive. So they only have so much. That's all the state fruit that's on their own land. But some of them purchase fruit outside of their land. Ah. And so now we're talking about co-ops. Mm -hmm. And so there's you don't have the same level of management and control over the quality of the farming what they're actually using in terms of sustainability or if they're even growing sustainably, are they spraying, are they using pesticides, uh, chemical fertilizers? You don't necessarily know unless you, you have some kind of control. Well, some of them are farmers that have been growing and selling to them and it, they're dumping their grapes in an almost, it's almost like a soup. This is Bruno Michel. And it's a combination of Grand Cru and Premier Cru. They control all the property and it's completely certified organic. Wonderful. Okay. And so this is an unusual blend for it to be, there are three grapes that are used or allowed by law in Champagne, France, and that is Chardonnay, the white grape, two black grapes, Pinot Noir, which most people have heard of, but one that most people have never heard of, Pinot Meunier. It's very similar to Pinot Noir in color and flavor uh, profile. It's sort of a, a cherry, rose petal, red fruit kind of a profile. But this is unique in that there's no Pinot Noir in this at all. It's predominantly Chardonnay, and then it has lesser quantity of Pinot Meunier. And what they do, because it's a black grape, if they crush the grapes and they pull the skins away right away, they don't end up with any red color. Because oh. the meat inside of whether it's a white or a black grape is the same. Mm -hmm. it, it's clear. So the color comes from leaving the dark skins on the juice for a number, you know, for a length of time. And that bleeds into the, into the color. Okay. So, but uh, the flavor profile, the Chardonnay is what makes it richer and fatter mm -hmm. feeling in the mouth and uh, gives it some of that great length. Now um, I did say that w one of my favorite combos is champagne and fried chicken or any fried food, French fries, potato okay. chips. I don't care. Uh, fried <laughs> shrimp. Uh, but it's also great with everybody has heard, you know, champagne and oysters, uh, caviar mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things all you know, entertain like that. And there's there's certainly nothing wrong. Um, I want food. I don't want my pairings have to be so hoity toity. I want all my food and wine experiences to taste good. So this is one where you're going to. It's going to be like tasting fried chicken for the first time. Okay. All right. I'm ready. You first. I'll follow you. All right. All right. I'm going. I'm a dark meat kind of guy. So I'm going to pull off this drumstick. Okay. Don't want to. I hope you guys can hear it so good. Mm. It's Harold's fried chicken. Mm -hmm. Chicago favorite. And then now I'm going to take a sip. <laughs> you have just tasted Harold's chicken for the first time. I have. Oh, God. That's so, so here's good. what happens Imagine somebody takes a slice of butter mm -hmm. and puts it in your mouth and then says, puts it on your tongue and says, close your mouth. And it begins, the fat begins to melt across your tongue, the mm -hmm. butter. That sensation is exaggerated by the champagne. It's like this explosion of richness. And fried chicken goodness, it just, it's on steroids. It's on steroids. Yeah, it's its, it's hard to not. It's <laughs> almost like the skin. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't have the language to describe the skin, but the skin has been transformed. Yeah. Mm, that was good. Okay. So 
We're going to try the fries or the beef this patty? This is going to go with everything on our plate. Okay. So here's what I did. Every, like I said, everybody thinks about oysters, caviar. This is the kind of wine that if you don't want, you ask the question, you know, do you want several wines? You could drink this the entire evening mm. from start to finish. This loves uh, red meat. It loves spicy food. It'll handle sweet and sour food. It's the champagne and sparkling wine are the highest acid wine. So you've ever heard people say wine cleanses the palate? Absolutely. Okay. Everybody's heard that. What they're talking about is the acid. The acid acts like that spray on the side of your kitchen sink that, you know, when you rinse dishes. Right. That's what the acid does to your tongue every time you eat and drink something. It cleanses the palate, cleanses your tongue, and then sets you up so that each bite and each sip is like the first. Okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. (laughs) Yeah, there's no going. Once you've you've tasted this, you can't pretend you haven't. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the bubbles, they're still... They're so beautiful. Okay, so here's another thing. Years ago, when I had my first glass of Krug Champagne, Mm -hmm. Mm K-R-U-G, which is considered one of the finest in the world. My other favorite is Salon, spelled like Beauty Salon, S-A-L-O-N. And they only make Salon in vintage years. This is important Mm. to know. So there's non-vintage Champagne, and then there's vintage Champagne. Vintage Champagne means that all the grapes have to come from that one year. They don't make it every year because they're looking for optimum weather. Okay. Usually a little more heat so the grapes get really nice and ripe. And then really cool nights where the acidity is allowed to rise. And so usually in a decade, you may only have two or three vintage years at the most. Wow. So when you see a vintage year on a label, Mm -hmm. most of the champagne houses, because they're in proximity to one another, will declare together. Okay. And, um, you know, some of the wonderful ones in the past, I remember 82 and 83 salon, back-to-back years. One of my favorites, 90 was a really great year, 88, 96. These are all grapes from just that one year. Okay. Most champagne, non-vintage champagne, which you see on the shelves, is less expensive than vintage because they blend multiple years to a particular flavor profile. In other words, like perfume, Mm. a perfume house or, you know, designer house has a signature perfume. Right. When you go to buy that bottle of perfume, it better smell the same for every bottle that you buy, right? Every time. Okay. So Mm -hmm. the non-vintage is like perfumes house, their signature. So every time you buy the non-vintage, it should taste similar no matter when you buy it. So the vintage, though, will taste is capturing the flavor of that year, not of the champagne house. Gotcha. Does it make sense? That makes absolute sense. Okay, so it's it's just like perfume (laughs) in that way. There's an art form, and you have a cellar master who is responsible for achieving that same flavor profile for multiple years, and that's what you get. But a Krug is considered one of the masters. People have compared the one we're just having to Krug, and it's at a fraction of the price. Mm-hmm. Krug, if you would see it in a restaurant, is usually going to be in upwards of maybe 200 to $300, you know, a bottle. I mean, it gets higher when you get into their vintage champagnes. And But this one is amazing. It's under, under $50. That is amazing. Most champagnes you'll see at retail will begin around $40. And there's a couple exceptions, some rare exceptions. There's another champagne house that I've come across that is way over delivers for the price. But I wanted to show you this one because it's so special. And a lot of times when you see 
the same wine in every single store. It's because they make so much of it. It's almost like it can be like a factory. But when they're really controlling the quality, there's a personality here. There There's, is a personality. Yeah, I mean, it's not like anything else that I've tasted. And that's special. Well, that's great information. And this is Laura Rice, and you're listening to Full Body Frequency. If you miss Brian Duncan of Down to Worth Wine Concepts, talk about how to successfully pair wine with any holiday meal. You can listen to the show in its entirety by going to SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas the fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me Presents and cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you This Christmas And as I look around Your eyes outshine the town that do This Christmas Fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And you're listening to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice. And my guest today is Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts. And we've been busy tasting holiday wines. And we're going to continue. Now, I have a few questions from some wine-loving listeners. Oh, great, great. 
So George from Las Vegas wants to know, with holiday foods, are there certain wines that are better to cook with than others? Here's my rule. If you're going to cook with a wine, it should probably be the same wine you're serving with that dish. Ah, why is that? Because the synergy between the sauce, the flavorings, will be enhanced being paired with the same wine you're drinking. Gotcha. Okay. It's stacking the deck in your flavor, in your favor. And your flavor. And your flavor. <laughs> okay. And it's really, yeah, that's good. It's, it's, it's doing both. The, the wine will connect with the wine that's being used to cook with that you're drinking, and it'll be a real match made in heaven. There are a lot of people who will sometimes cook with a wine. They say, I just want something on dry white wine. That's fine if you decide to do that. But if you really want to take it to the next level, and I mean, it's certainly if you, it's a really expensive bottle of wine, you don't want to use that. Just use the same great variety or style of wine as the bait. It doesn't cost you a fortune. Lee from Los Angeles wants to know, if rum is used in fruitcake, can it be replaced by a cherry wine? Let me think. Rum, 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 rum. You know what I would do? I would add maybe a cola ah, to the cherry okay. wine to push that flavor into a darker, more almost woody kind of maple. You want to get to taste like rum. The cherry is going to taste like cherry mm-hmm. unless you do something to it. So Lori from Chicago wants to know about bringing your host a gift of wine. Do you bring two bottles, one for the meal, if you know what's being served, and one for the host to enjoy later? But really, how does wine gifting work? First of all, you should know something about their wine habits and their preferences. I would um, certainly, no one's going to fault you for bringing something for the dinner and then something else special. But getting some questions, even if you have to pull the other spouse aside or the significant other and say, you know, what do they like? What is, what do they, like? they would really appreciate that. That you're, you're, you're the kind of guest that's going to be invited back. Don't make assumptions. If you want to surprise them, use the other spouse uh, uh, to get, you know, the kind of uh, information you're, you're looking for. Uh, but I think that's a wonderful idea. Take something for the dinner and then take something. And a lot of, you know, the, someone said the other day, don't take one bottle of wine. How many people are coming to the dinner? Exactly. What is it? Six glasses per bottle? I always say there's probably four. Yeah, it's a 25.4 uh, ounce bottle. If I divide that by four, that's six ounces per person. You might take two. So the next question is from yours truly. (laughs) So obviously I love bubbles, champagne, Prosecco, and I've really started getting into rosé, sparkling Mm rosés. And, but I've heard that the season for rosé is ending. Actually it's ended in the fall. That's not true. I mean, certainly uh, there are a lot of rosés that are very, very refreshing, but does that mean they're less refreshing later in the year? I don't think so. I think that it's, you know, my taste change, I don't want uh, big, heavy red wines in the summer, even when it's mm. hot outside. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, you know, high in alcohol that it doesn't even feel right to the body. Don't, don't our uh, don't our dishes change as the seasons change? They do. Don't we eat heartier, more stews and casseroles and braised meats in the winter than we do in the summer. So I just feel like you sort of you trust your body. But I always think that especially sparkling wine and rosé, rosé champagne and rosé sparkling wines may be even more versatile than you know just the regular champagnes and sparkling wines rosé champagne and rosé sparkling wine love red meat lamb you have never tasted lamb before until you have it with a rosé sparkling or champagne 
love and it's, lamb. It's incredible with spicy food. Okay. So I've had Indian food mm-hmm. and rosé, uh, sparkles. Uh, you can't get much better than that, except for maybe converge to it. Okay. <laughs> I know you're partial to it like that. So. <laughs> so we're going to round two. When I'm buying for clients, a lot of times I'm looking for particular categories to fill. And then I buy wine seasonally, like you were just talking about. Over the summer, what I was not looking for was another Prosecco. Ah, okay. And Prosecco is a sparkling wine from Italy. Guy that said, you know, I've got a wine that I think you might like. And I said, what? What, another Prosecco? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I'll try it. And this gentleman is in the habit of representing wines that I think are of good quality. The bottle is beautiful, number it one. Is. This comes from the northeastern corner of Italy in the area called the Veneto near Verona and Venice. And that is really beautiful. Um, and Prosecco is the drink that uh, Italians start drinking about three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh-huh. They get off work and then they stand around on the street corners on these outdoor uh, cafes and they just talk with their hands and then they, they eat with their fingers and they little nibbles, everything from potato chips to uh, cured meats like prosciutto and salumi and um, all kinds of stuff. And this is what they drink before dinner. And uh, again, I want you to look at the uh, the beading on this and the, t- the bubbles are really tiny. Mm-hmm. This shocked me. I would actually put this in a blind tasting alongside champagne. But uh, here, let's chin chin again. Right. Really incredibly elegant. Um, this is this is uh, really well made. Mm-hmm. Drinks way beyond its price. This is under sixteen dollars. Wow. Um. Very, very versatile. Um, anything salty, uh, you could serve it with uh, pasta. You could serve it with olive oil-based and tomato-based pastas, any kind of seafood. Um, I like uh, white flesh fish, flaky fish with this. Uh, and again, go back to the fried uh, foods. Let's go back to the fried foods. Yep. More chicken. More chicken. More fries. <laughs> More Jamaican beef patties. And this style of wine loves food. Hmm. So if you don't want to have a headache about what to serve, how difficult do you think it's going to be for you to convince your guests? Well, this is what we're having. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to turn the nose up or feel like they've been cheated. Hmm. That's with, I just had the uh, Jamaican beef patty. Spicy. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in, I don't think I need a red wine. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It's handling the spice Mm -hmm. really well. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg. It's quite lovely. Isn't it pretty? The flavors don't compete at all. Not at all. Very complimentary. Mm -hmm. Really built for food. Mm -hmm. And of course you can drink these and enjoy these on their own. But the Italians, generally, 
you don't see them uh, enjoying wine on its own mm -hmm. or eating food without wine. It's just part of the, the culture. I know the first trip that I made to Italy, I felt like I think I was born here. Well, <laughs> I, thinking, I knew there was a place like this that existed that they celebrate life, socializing and food and wine is just part of their life. And even the children take a little sip, you know, and they have very adult reactions to wine rather than, uh, you know, so many people uh, drink to, to get drunk. And I, I'm into responsible consumption. That's one of the reasons why I think food is so important as a part of enjoying and coming together and socializing. I drink because I enjoy the flavor, but mostly I enjoy who I'm sharing the wine with. So now speaking of experiences, you just did one. You pulled one together, a very special one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, first, before you tell us about that, give us the name of this Prosecco. This is called Belusi, B-E-L-L-U-S-S-I. And it's new to the market, just like previous champagne was. I like finding little jewels uh, before they've been discovered. It gives me an edge in terms of pricing mm -hmm. uh, because I like to do everything that I can to stand on the mountaintop. Have you ever read the book, was it Macklin Gladwell, The Tipping Point? Absolutely. Okay, so there's the person that is called the maven. And so we all have them in our lives, that person that always knows where to get the best tickets and you know they know how mm -hmm. to find the best concerts and how to, some kind of a way to get the best deal out of something. That's who I am. You're the wine and, maven. It's, yeah, it's not mm -hmm. enough for me just to find these little jewels. I have to tell everybody that I know. So I'm a person who they've been, I've been called a tastemaker and a brand builder. Mm -hmm. And I don't wait for the critics. It's already too late. If it's in a magazine, it's already too late. I like to be the first one there and say, hey, look at this. You got to taste it. And so that's who I am. I also like to take what experiences and what circumstances you would pull this as opposed to something else. Perfectly suited to do what I'm doing. This is just a little gem. I believe they're going to grow in the market here because people just come back and go, I can't believe that. So I have this reputation. People say, you know, Brian um, likes to find wines. He said, wine does not have to be expensive to be good. And so if you say that, then you have to put up or shut up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so... I also say, I don't have anything against expensive wine, and to prove it, I'll come to your house and drink yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I stand by what I represent and what I tout. I get such a joy out of feeling like I got the better end of the deal. I love wines that over-deliver for the price. So this experience that we just had, some people bought this pricey event from a wine auction. It included me setting up dinner. Here in Chicago, they were from the West Coast and the East Coast. I have a friend that I worked with many, many years ago who's a very talented uh, jazz vocalist and flautist named mm -hmm. Elaine Dame. And I got her for the evening, an acoustic guitarist. And what nice. was a treat, stealing her away was quite the get. And then we uh, had dinner at Tanta, my favorite Peruvian restaurant uh, in Chicago. And a lot of people aren't familiar with Peruvian food, but if you think about it, it's this conglomeration uh, or this coming together of multicultures. You're talking Chinese, Japanese, Portuguese, Italian. And what do you come up with that? And so they have this seafood-based, exciting, creative, inventive cuisine really elevated. My first experience there was revelatory. Ceviches are not what we normally think of in terms of like Mexican ceviches. Right. Or very limey and like a step beyond it because they also come with sauces along uh. with that that citrusy 
tropical element to it. And the dishes visually at this restaurant are second to none in terms of presentation. It's a lively atmosphere. The food is unique and inventive. And, you know, I love Italian restaurants. I love, clearly, and I love (laughs) French and, excuse me, all kinds of cuisine. But this is truly different. How many Italian restaurants can we have? Do we have enough yet? Or we have you know, a million. How many steakhouses yeah, houses a do million. we have? And so I was really excited to show these people mm-hmm. something that uh, they did never experience before. Mm-hmm. And so it was an opportunity for me to really show off and create this custom experience. It was on the roof of their uh, restaurant, which is partially enclosed and has a retractable ceiling. And I was able to hand select the wines with each one of the courses. Really, really, truly. The ceviches, we started there uh, with some octopus and some other things. And we served it with another champagne that I'm really, really fond of. And watching people taste the champagne alone Mm -hmm. and then watching them taste it with the food was a revelation was really, really, really wonderful. So the rest of the evening, it was like this amazing progression to the end of the crescendo and was multi-courses. And How many courses? We did like six courses. Wow. And then we did, uh, I don't like the 12, 20 some course thing. How many courses do I need to know whether you can cook or not? Exactly. Uh, I used to, I've done many of those and have done multiple courses in my own restaurants. But this is what happens when a restaurant doesn't use hospitality as their filter. I remember when some of the first restaurants who were doing multi-courses here in Chicago and in New York and some other places. And one of the complaints that I heard most often was, we were just like, are they going to bring another course? And then they thought they were done and Mm -hmm. they were going to get dessert. And then they looked up and there was another course coming and the chef decided to send out another course. And if you're looking at your clock... Or if you're thinking, well, I hope they don't bring another course, that's called a hostage situation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm thinking, that's not hospitable, right? So I think about those kinds of things because I do use uh, hospitality as my filter. Chefs are the only ones who like to have more courses than the law would allow. And so it's, it's like a one-upsmanship. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about hospitality, you never want people to be over done. My mother used to have this saying, enough is enough and too much is a dog biscuit. And I think that's what she meant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You should know when to stop. Right. So music, food, and wine. Jazz and wine. Peruvian Peruvian cuisine. and, And you know what I would say too is in terms of the experience, the people at this establishment were as invested in the success of it but over, maybe it's been about four months ago, I got involved two years ago with a woman with a cooking club for kids. And she goes to CPS. It's called Bella Cuisine Kids. And she goes to some of the most challenged neighborhoods in terms of food deserts and violence and so forth. And she teaches these kids how to prepare healthier meals. They in turn go home and show their parents. And she has partnered with Chicago firemen and Chicago police where a lot of people have a lot to say about those issues. Right. She's actually out there in the trenches with some of the Chicago police officers who I've had meals with them and done some events where they cook and mentor the kids. They're establishing lifelong relationships with these kids and their hearts and souls are in it and their creativity in terms of the kinds of activities that they do with these children and how they're forging these relationships. These people have children themselves. Right. And 
I would just wish the cameras were there to see that. Yeah. And so I approached this restaurant. I knew the general manager casually, uh, Tata. And I said, you know, we're looking for an experience to expose these kids. These kids have no aspiration outside of their block. They don't know anything about, you know, a man of color working in a restaurant business and doing some of the things and being a winemaker and some of the things I've gotten to do. But how are they going to know it unless they're exposed to it? So we wanted them to go to a restaurant where service level was heightened and they got to see and got to meet a chef and all those kinds of and talk to them and ask questions. So I approached and said to the manager, I said, this is what this woman does. Before I could get the name of the organization and what it was about out of my mouth, he said, we'll just take care of the whole thing. That's amazing. I don't think it was three minutes, four minutes into it. And so what I found out later was Chef Gaston, who is the corporate chef from Peru, he, there's synergy there. He opened these culinary schools in the poorest areas in Peru to do the, almost a similar thing that she's doing, except on a professional level for some underprivileged people, people who would normally not have that opportunity. So isn't it amazing how when you are intentional, at least in my life, it's this way. Things kind of line up, and the people that there are no, you and I know this. There's no accidents. Right. No accidents. People don't just come across your pathway. Uh, they're meant to be there for a reason. You're supposed mm-hmm. to learn something. They're supposed to get something out of that experience and then that exchange. And I feel like I'm the, the most blessed person that I know, and certainly one of the more happy people I've ever come across. That's unbridled generosity That's and it. abundance. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So let's hit our last bottle. All I right. shouldn't say bottle. Our last tasting. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Ooh, I love the sound of the glasses. Now I have a couple of things, but I'm going to skip to Moscato. And this isn't unusual. I know that a lot of Moscato has been very popular. This one is quite a surprise. Okay. Now, Moscato, is people know it for its sweetness. Mm-hmm. And it can be, but there's levels of that, too. Everything is it's not just one button. A lot of times I will hear people say, oh, I like sweet. I like sweet. Well, yeah, I do, too. But this is a Moscato that not only goes well with, for people who like a little sweeter, fruitier wine, but this will go with very spicy food. Mm. And it's the answer uh, to the heat so that it doesn't become overwhelming. So uh, this is another one that I would highly recommend uh, if you had sweet and sour, extremely sweet and sour flavors, like you have in Chinese food sometimes. This will do well. But I also love this kind of Moscato with things like key lime pie, Hmm. apple pie, peach cobbler. I also like it with really salty foods like ham and so forth. Toast to this one. Again, look at the beating on this. It's no sugar bomb. It's not. It's balanced. It's like right on that in between it could go into the savory and could go into the sweet and after dinner and then i like it with things like sorbet that makes sense to me uh-huh mm-hmm. now what are the notes here okay i've got everything from notes of pineapple mm-hmm. a little bit of mango mm-hmm. um really ripe golden apples 
I mean, it's a citrus element, like a, a ripe white grapefruit, almost. Am I tasting a little pear, though, too? Mm-hmm. There's uh, tree fruit. There's tree fruit? Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Brian, I'm absolutely stunned. But the finish on this is... It's just as clean. It's clean. There's no cloying, heavy, sugary leftover mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your palate can um, see at the end of the meal. I, I should say this: Italians know digestion better than anybody else on the face of the earth. So anything with bubbles will keep your palate fresh and you energized. Where sometimes if you have heavier wine at the end of the meal, mm-hmm. this is the crescendo. This is the symbols. So wow. if you've had layers, let's say I had lasagna, we had osobuco, we had all this other stuff. And at the end, you have a little bit of sorbet or, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, key lime pie. And you have it with this, then your spine straightens up, just like it did with the very first champagne wow. that we started with. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like we've had like four courses, three or four courses, mm-hmm. without changing our food. Right. And it still works. Still works. Actually, three courses. We've yeah. tasted three wines. They've all been different, but they've all complemented the food so nicely. Mm-hmm. Different characteristics. And I feel like this Moscato has really put the period to the sentence. Punctuation. Yeah, yeah, of our meal. Wow. And wait a minute. You haven't heard it. Here's the exclamation part. Okay. It's under $10. Oh! <laughs> And look at that bottle. That's oh, sexy, It's a beautiful, isn't it? sexy bottle. This is a big butt bottle. It, it's, it's, it's a wide... If somebody saw you bring that in, they were like, ooh, what are we? Ooh. That's right. Full body frequency listeners, you're going to yeah. love the shape of this bottle. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. Brian Duncan of Down to Earth Wine Concepts, thank you so much for being here on Full Body Frequency today. Thanks for having today. me back. Oh, anytime. <laughs> anytime. So everybody, for more wine suggestions, recipes, and culinary and beverage tips and tricks, be sure to follow Brian Duncan on Pinterest via Wine for All or check out any number of his videos on the Food and Wine Magazine YouTube channel. And for more information on the wines we tasted today, head on over to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and search Full Body Frequency. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior birth. Long days the world and sin in Aaron pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices from yonder. A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, night divine When Christ was born Oh, night Dear
Zion of grace, a new and glorious morn. Right. 